This morning at TPOS, our guest speaker, Rev. Jason Kaiser, titles his sermon, Nothing Left to Hope For. Though we might feel hopeless at times, as long as we have hope in Christ, we can make it through anything. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, the Bible says, If in this life only, someone say only. That's the power of the scriptures, that word only. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Of course we have hope in Christ in this life. And we should have hope in Christ in this life. I don't want to just be blessed, uh, you know, after death. I want the Lord to move and have revival with me and in me now on this side of eternity. But I am very thankful, utterly thankful that my, my walk with God, my relationship with God does not end with my last breath. But beyond that, there is also a relationship that I think will prosper and flower greater. So I'm thankful that we have hope in Christ here and in the hereafter. Amen. And Satan is after your hope. He wants to divorce you from your hope. The Bible said there are three that abideth and remain. There's faith, there's hope, and then there's love or charity. And faith and hope are inextricably sewn and woven together. Satan knows if he can destroy your hope, he'll cripple your faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And so he's after our hope. He loves nothing more for us to be wracked with hopelessness. But thank the Lord, the Holy Ghost is a hope dealer. Now, Pastor Sadler has been preaching the message that I'm going to preach tonight for 22 years, but men like him and men like I have been preaching this message for over 2,000 years. The Acts 2.38 message is as relevant today as it was on the day that it was initiated, the day of Pentecost. And you'll have to pardon us preachers from time to time. We just sometimes assume that people know the new birth experience. I'm not going to be assumptive tonight. I'm going to preach it, hopefully, like Peter and Pastor Sadler preach it. I know it's a first century message, and we're living in a 21st century world. But that first century message still works. Can I get a witness? It still works in this 21st century world, and there's no other message coming. It will always be one Lord One faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father who pre-Pentecost was above us all and who pre-Pentecost was with us all. But on the day of Pentecost, he became our great God and Father who was in us all. Amen. I'm glad I'm living when God's not just above and with, but he also resides within. Don't let Satan steal your hope and tell you you've got nothing left to hope for. That's the message. Nothing left to hope for. Thank you, Jesus, for this night where we've come to gather together to celebrate you. And I know as we celebrate our pastor and first lady tonight, 
that you are just as excited about that because they are your children. And every, every parent loves to see their children honored. It brings them great joy. So we're not stealing praise from you to honor your son and daughter. But God, in the midst of it all, let this word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto where we're going, our pathway. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart inspire and illuminate, I hope, and hopefully encourage all of these, my brothers and sisters. Now, you know, Lord, I'm going to preach like I'm at home because I am at home. We're all a part of the body of Christ. So wherever I'm at, I'm among family. Bless us as we in turn promise to bless you back in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. $25 million in her bank account. That's a nice bank account. Land, home, farms, ranches, estates, a condo in Nashville, a 6,000 square foot cabin in Sevierville, a town home at Gulf Shores, a private airplane at the ready. Fame and fortune was hers in great supply. Last month, the month of September, she and her daughter were supposed to begin their farewell tour, along with being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Fans that once numbered in the tens and the hundreds swole to the millions. But all of that was not quite enough. She actually wrote a book several decades ago, and the book's title was this, My Descent into Depression. And how I emerged with hope. Because hope will bring you out. But several months ago, she put a gun to her own body and squeezed the trigger. Poor Naomi Judd didn't run out of help. She had help. She had two daughters that loved her, a psychiatrist that was working with her. She had money and fame and fortune. She had fans in the millions she could have picked up the phone and people would have rushed to her aid as a matter of fact her youngest daughter ashley was in the home when she did what she did trying to help the problem is not a lack of help but it was a lack of hope and that was her sad and very sorrowful situation she ran out of hope and when hope is gone the desire to live goes with it amen but I'm happy to report to you, in this church, there's plenty of help for you. We've got altar workers. We've got intercessors. We've got travailers. We've got a pastor. We've got a pastoral staff. We've got prayer warriors. We've got angels in every corner of this room, even as I'm preaching right now. And if we didn't have all of that, we've got a great God and friend, Jesus the Christ, that if he's anything, he's a hope dealer. And he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he is the helper of man's soul. You've got help tonight. We can give you help from the outside. But hope always springs up from within. And that's why you need the Holy Ghost. Because when you have the Holy Ghost... 
it won't let you stay down too long. It will speak to you from within and tell you that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. It'll talk to you and say, you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Ghost is not speaking in tongues. It's a comforter for the comfortless, a light for those in gross darkness, and it will pick you up and remind you of the hope that springs eternal. Thank God tonight for the Holy Ghost. I hope you won't mind if I preach about the power of Jesus' name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and water baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. But it is our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our frailties, our faults that also speak to us from within. And if you're not too careful listening to that, then you'll start telling yourself, what's the use? What's the point? I'll never measure up. I'll never be like Sister Spiritual or Brother Isle Runner. I'll never make it. I can't live this life. And if you listen too long, the hope will leak out of your spirit and you will surrender to it and not be what God has called you to be. Job even said, what is my strength that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Running out of hope will run you out of the desire to even live. Amen. And that's exactly what Satan's desire for you is to steal your hope and kill your spirit and destroy your soul. For the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I am praying that God's spirit will fall on this assembly in great force and unfettered. And reinstigate a desire and a hope and a determination. And every brother and sister in this house, I've come to preach to you the converse message that hell preaches. And that is, you can make it. And you can have revival. And you can be used by God. And yes, you might be weak, but his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Hallelujah. You can be a child of God and you can make it from here to that golden shore. If you'll hold on to your hope and your faith, there is nothing that this church cannot do. There's no revival that we cannot have. There's no enemy that we cannot destroy. There's no supernatural dispensation that we cannot possess. And sometimes you've got to praise God by faith. You might not feel it, but by faith I'm praising God. Sometimes you have to witness to yourself. I mean, after all, when you look in the Heavens Hall of Fame, there's lots of people that are littered throughout that Hebrews chapter 11 that were at their best week, a motley crew of miscreants and mistakes. Adam and Eve, you know, our forefathers, they disobeyed God. And Noah got drunk. And Abraham was a liar. And Sarah didn't believe God. And Jacob was a deceiver. And Joseph was prideful. And Moses was a murderer. And Mary was disloyal to her pastor. And Korah was a traitor. And Rahab, well, let's just say she was a working girl. But she had faith. And she became Jesus' grandma. Oh, yes, she did. Naomi was a backslider. And Ruth was an idolater. Samson was lustful and getting fearful. David was an adulterer. Solomon the wise was most of the time unwise. 
Elijah had a death wish. Jonah was vengeful. You would never want him to be your evangelist. He jumped into the pulpit in Nineveh and said, in 40 days, God's going to kill every single one of you. Amen. And walked out of the pulpit. Didn't have an altar call, no message of hope, no grace, no mercy. That was it. Went and sat down and wanted to enjoy the fire show as God rained down lava and brimstone and burned them alive. That was Jonah. Martha was obsessively compulsive. Peter denied Jesus Christ. Thomas doubted him. John and James wanted to sit by him, not because of a great adoration, but because they were jockeying for political position. Paul hated Jesus Christ at first. Matthew taxed Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus was a usurer, and Nicodemus was an undercover Christian. One thing in church and another thing out in the street. You know those type. But in spite of their faults and frailties, these and others, the Bible said, subdued kingdoms. Woo. Wrought righteousness, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, the Bible said, they were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, and they turned to flight the enemies of the aliens. They received their dead back to life again. And others, the Bible said, were tortured, but they refused to accept deliverance from the harm and the dismay because they believed I'm going to obtain one of these days a better resurrection. They had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn. They were tempted. They were slain. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins. They lived in mountains, caves, and dens in the earth. And as far as Jesus Christ was concerned, when he considered their worth, he said the world was not worthy of such frail and faulty people because God can take little and do more with it. And they availed themselves of heaven's hand and they moved mountains and they had great revival proving the scripture that I don't need a bunch of strong well put together people just give me your weaknesses and give me your faults and give me your frailties let me stir up some Shekinah and mix some anointing and I'll have a revival in Smyrna that has never been seen heretofore you don't have to be good to praise God you don't have to be perfect to worship God you don't have everything together to be saved just bring your staggering, stumbling, sinful self into the hand of the Lord and watch God anoint you and empower you and bless you and let's build a mighty church in the midst of Smyrna. I know there's gross darkness but the Bible said where sin did abound. Grace will much more abound. Let the weak man say I'm strong and let the poor man say I'm rich. Let the sick stand in this house and say I'm healed in the name of Jesus. We're not lying. We're standing on faith with a whole handful of hope. I wish somebody tell the devil you're a liar. We've got something left to hope for. Yes, I've got something left to hope for. I'm holding on to hope by faith. I wish somebody would praise God for healing. That's not happened yet, but you're standing on faith right now. Still sick, still wounded, still weak, but in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, my healing is on the way. Hallelujah. I wish somebody would stand right now and praise God for a promise being kept that you're still waiting to be manifested. Tell the devil it's already happened in heaven. We're just waiting over here in time. 
time for it to become manifest. And I would have praised you later, but I'm going to praise you now for what I know you're going to do. How do you do? By faith, with hope, we can do all things. Hear the word of the Lord. These people were flawed, but yet remained faithful, brother. They were weak, but sometimes they sure were wonderful. Hallelujah. They were aggravating, but they were also anointed. They were vexing to the Lord. But all the victory that God could have through their hands, their voice, and their feet. But yet these people, the Bible said, received not the promise. And we ask the question, why? And God answers the question. Because God has reserved, held back something better for you and for me. Oh, we're a blessed people. And I'm going to prove it to you tonight that we are blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond human defining. Blessed. And I'll show you. Jacob desired it. He asked for it. He wanted it. He pled for it. When he spoke to the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32 that he had just wrestled with. He said, tell me. What is thy name? He knew that was power. In the name of the Lord. And he desired it. But Jesus spoke back to Jacob and said, Why do you ask for my name? It's not time for my name to be revealed. I've got some people down the road that I'm seeing out of the side of my eyes that are going to be raised up in the last days. And they're going to need the power and the authority that is in my name. But now's not the time. I'm reserving it for another people. And he got a blessing, but not a revelation. Blessings come and blessings go. But revelations will stick with you in this life and in the one to come. Moses stands before a bush that burns, but is not consumed. He's been sent on a holy mission to the halls of Pharaoh's house. And after such, he said, tell me, whom shall I say is sending me? What he was saying was, I need your name, God. Egypt knows their God's names. They've got Isis and Ra and Imhotep and Osiris and Set and Newt. But I don't know your name. And if you're expecting me to walk into that house and say that you sent me, they're going to ask me who sent me. And Jesus speaks from the bush. I know it says God, but I believe Jesus is God of the same. So I'm going to use his proper name. You know, Jesus says, you just tell them I am that I am. You need a healer. I am that. Oh, yes, I am. You need a deliverer. I am that. Yes, I am. You need an emancipator? I am that. Yes, I am. 
He told him, I am that I am. You tell them that he's the one that sent you. But he didn't give him his name. It was Manoah, who most of us never heard of. But he's better known as Samson's father, who the angel of the Lord, a theophany, Christ himself, came and said, I'm going to give your wife a son. I know you think she's barren, but you'd be amazed at what I can do with a barren ground. I'll, I'll bring life to barrenness. You tell her she's going to have a baby. He said, thank you. I want to offer sacrifice to you. I want to build an altar. Would you please tell me your name? He knew something we better know. If you're going to properly function in praise and worship, you've got to know the name. He knew if I'm going to praise you, with all of its effectiveness, i got to praise you in your own name. So if you'll tell me the name, I'll praise you more properly. And the angel of the Lord said, shh, I can't tell you my name now because it's a secret. I'm holding it in check for another generation. Hallelujah. Don't you understand? That man Manoah was teaching us something over 3,000 years later when we praise Jesus in his name, when we sing in his name, when we worship in his name. There is an extra double portion of power and anointing when you call on the name. You don't believe me? You go to praising him in his name right now and you'll see heavens open and angels descend and a stairway unfold and anointing start falling and a Shekinah will saturate this sanctuary when you start calling on the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Walls come down when you praise him in his name. Bonds become broken. Chains fall to the floor. When you call his name, angels unfurl their wings and devils and demons tremble when you start calling on that name hallelujah because in his name there is authority and in his name there's the blood of the lamb don't you know that jesus christ built that name he grabbed the j the e the slash the seuss jehovah is our salvation and then he sprinkled shekinah on that he built it with his own hands and with the holy ghost hypodermic he pushed his own blood into that name he anointed it he saturated and then he turned to gabriel and handed it to him and said, there's a teenage girl down in Bethlehem. Go and see if she'll receive that name. You can't foist it on her. You can't force it on her. But if she will readily accept that name, she'll be surprised at what she gives birth to. Hallelujah. Hey, Pentecostals of Smyrna, keep on worshiping that name. Pastor, keep on preaching about that name. You'll be surprised what this church gives birth to if we'll keep doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And that angel took that name very carefully and faster than lightning swept down to Bethlehem. And he pulled up to Mary and said, here's the name of that which is going to be born in you. Will you receive that name? And when she lifted up her hands and said, be it unto me as the Lord has said, the name was transferred from the angelic to humanity. And we have never been the same since. Thank God that we are a Jesus name. Holy Ghost filled church because the name makes all the difference i wish somebody would praise that wonderful name with me right now i, I wish somebody would stand in the sanctuary right now and say god be it unto me be it unto us be it unto this church we are glad ambassadors of the name of jesus christ 
Lay your hand on your head right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak the name over every single soul in this church, man, woman, boy, or girl, elder, or youth. It matters not. God... There's a healing that is flowing through this assembly right now. Hallelujah. And like David said, we're not coming with sword and we're not coming with shield, but we're coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. He didn't even know the name of the Lord. All he could say was the name of the Lord, but we know that name. Now somebody start uttering that name, start speaking that name, start declaring that name. Help me praise that name worship that name your ancestors never had the name but we've got it tonight and if they could bring walls down and move mountains and conquer the land then with the name of the lord at our side there's nothing we can't do hey isaiah what's his name Isaiah said, I don't know. Let's just call him wonderful. Call him counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. And those are positions and their titles and they're wonderful, but that's not his name. Because God held his name back to give to you. And that's why we sing in the name of Jesus, and we pray in the name of Jesus, and we war in the name of Jesus, and we worship in the name of Jesus. That's why we baptize. He's a father. He was a son. Surely the Holy Ghost. But he had a name. I said he had a name, somebody. The name of the Lord. Is a strong and mighty tower where the righteous can run and be made safe. But that was a lonely tower for thousands of years. No man could approach it because no man had the name. But we've got the name. And now the doors of that tower have been flung open wide. The throne room has been given to you access. And now we can boldly call to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in the time of need. And we do it. With the power in his name. God built that name. I mean, Noah came through the flood, and Jacob came through the Javik, and Israel came through the Red Sea, and Naaman came up out of Jordan, and although Noah survived, and Jacob was turned around, and Israel was protected, and Naaman was surely healed, none of them had their sins washed away. That priest would turn from the altar, from his fingertips, his elbow, covered in blood and gore, and wash in that labor. And even though he could cleanse himself of the blood and the gore and the goo of a thousand, thousand sacrifices, he could do nothing about the sins that stained his heart. Because he didn't have the name. John the Baptist got it started but even the greatest prophet born of a woman could only baptize under repentance, dying just short of the baptism that Jesus died to give, and Peter declared at Pentecost. There's coming a day when he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. 
there's coming a day that you're going to go down into the water stained with a multiplicity of iniquity and transgression. And the man that baptizes you or the woman that baptizes you, when she calls that name over you as you are immersed in the water, you will leave the old, dead, transgressory man there. And when you come up out the water, you will come out cleansed and you shall be made whole. And I got baptized on February the 7th, 1981. Before some of you were even born. And I was living in Germany. And it was freezing outside. And I went to my pastor to baptize me in Jesus' name. And he said no. Why? Because the heating element was broken. And he was afraid that if I went in the water, I'd catch my death of pneumonia. So he said, next Sunday after we fix the heater, we'll baptize you then. But I wasn't having it. So I went to the real power in the church, which is not the pastor. But his wife. Right over there. You know, we should call Sister Julie Sadler. She's the queen bee of this church. Everything revolves around her. Her name was Sister Jonathan Mackey, and she was also my Sunday school teacher. I said, Sister Mackey, your husband, not the pastor, your husband, won't baptize me. I just knew Jesus was coming that week, and if I didn't get baptized, I was going to miss the rapture, because back in the 80s, buddy, we preached the prophetic and revelations and Daniel, and you'd be amazed some of the stuff that they would say in the pulpit. I mean, I just knew the moon was getting ready to turn to blood, and the man of sin was going to rise out of that great sea, and I had to be baptized. My mind was made up. I don't care how cold the water is or muddy it is. Baptize me in a swimming pool, a mud puddle, or a horse trough. I've got to get baptized today. She said, he said, you ain't getting baptized. And he said that I wasn't getting baptized. She said, we'll see if you get baptized today. And 10 minutes later, I was standing in the water getting baptized. Hallelujah. My, my teeth were chattering and my lips were stammering. I was halfway to the Holy Ghost. That's what we should do. We should wait till February and take those hard cases and we should take them over here to the Cumberland River and we should put them in the water in the middle of February and just say, I'm not baptizing you till your lips are stammering, your teeth are chattering. We're going to hold you under till we know you're ready. And when you come out, you'll be speaking. I don't know if I was speaking in tongues when I was standing in the water or under the water. But when I came out, Jesus baptized me with the Holy Ghost too. And I prayed for people and said, how were you baptized? And they said, you know, I don't remember how I was baptized. And I always say, then you were not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I hope I can get a witness now because when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, there is a change that happens. It's more than just getting cold and it's better than just getting wet. But when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you can feel the iniquity fall from you like the leaves are falling from the trees right now. There's something different about getting baptized in Jesus' name. Do you remember the day that he washed your sins away in the waters of baptism? baptism. Hey, hey, we're still preaching that 2,000 years later and I've got good news. It still works. It still works. It still works. It still works. If you know it works, jump up off your seat and say, God, I'm thankful that it still works. It's still, and if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name tonight, that water ain't that cold. We'll baptize you tonight. But above all else, you must be born again of the water. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. This whole thing started with a move of God, don't you know? The Bible said his spirit moved across the face of the deep. Before there was a tree or a lake or a mountain or a fish or a fowl, God's spirit was on the move. This whole thing we call creation started with a move of the Holy Ghost. And it's also going to end with a move of the Holy Ghost. God's spirit, hear me, all you Smyrnians. God's spirit is on the move in Smyrna. We're just playing checkers. God's playing chess. He's multiple moves ahead of us. If God would tell you now what he's going to do later, you wouldn't believe him. So he's got to take you one step at a time, you know, so he doesn't blow your mind. But God's spirit is on the move. The Holy Ghost is on the move, and it moved across the face of the deep. That wind of refreshing is blowing again in this last day and in this final hour. His wind, his spirit, his moving again. That wind, that wind of heaven. You sang about it tonight. As Moses stood before a sea that wasn't moving, God said, if you'll throw up your hands and praise me, I've got an answer for your dilemma. And when Moses stretched forth his hand, that same wind that moved over the void that created the world sliced and slid and snaked its way through the Red Sea and pushed the water heap upon heap on either side and was so powerful that it sucked the moisture out of the seabed until they could walk across on the ground that's just as dry as the ground that's under your feet. His wind, his spirit was moving. They heard it in the mulberry trees and they said, we don't know what it is. We'll just call it the sound of a going. God's going somewhere. His spirit is moving. It was the same wind. It was that same wind when God and Ezekiel got together and Ezekiel said, God, I want to have a revival. I want to be used by you. I'll go anywhere you want to send me. And God said, oh, really? Come on, go with me to Smyrna. I mean the Valley of Dry Bones. And he put them and perched them on the precipice of a valley full of scattered, dry, bleached, and broken bones and said, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And you know what Ezekiel said? He said, thou knowest. That ain't no kind of answer. Thou knowest. I know, I know, I'm God. Tell me what you know. Can these bones live? And stuttering and stammering with his hands in his pockets, he didn't know what to say. And God said, okay, just forget it. Just start preaching. Just start prophesying. Just start praising. Don't look at the bones. Look up at the heavens. Look to me. When you don't know what to do, look to me. Come on, Jeremiah. Don't look him in the face. Just look to heaven. Just hallelujah. Just come on, Ezekiel. Just, just start preaching and prophesying. And as he did, the same wind that moved across creation, the same wind that slid through the Red Sea, the same wind that was in the mulberry trees, now showed up in Ezekiel's valley of dry bones and swept down through the valley. And as he's praising and preaching and prophesying, hallelujah, that wind is moving through that dark valley, hallelujah, until the metatarsals found the tamus, found the fibula, that found the tibia, that found the patella, that found the femur, that found the pelvic bone, that found the scalpel, scapula, that found the ulna, and the radius, and the humerus, and the spine, and the ribcage, and the cranium, and the maxilla, and the mandible, and God started putting things together. And I see, hey, church, just keep on praying, just keep on preaching, just keep on 
praising God, Pastor Sather. God is putting things together and he's connecting things together. Hallelujah. And he put every bone and the bones would climb over each other and say, no, you're not my brother and go find his brother and connect. And then he said, keep on preaching. We're not done yet. And he kept on preaching until finally skin began to grow and tendons and ligaments and arteries and veins and kidneys and lungs and a pancreas and a brain and a heart and all of it came together and God stood them up on their feet and now where there was nothing but brokenness there was an exceeding great army because God's Holy Ghost was on the move and it was on the move in that valley and it's still on the move today in Smyrna in this city in this church God's Spirit the Holy Ghost and fire is still moving among his people I mean, what puts you back together? What puts your life to back together? What saved you? Who rescued you? Who restored you? Who redeemed you? If not his spirit, spirit was on the move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was in Lamentations that the weeping prophet, in the midst of slavery, said these words. Did you hear me? The weeping prophet. In the book of melancholy that we call the book of Jeremiah, in the midst of Babylonian captivity, he said these words, Great is thy faithfulness. Thy mercies are renewed every morning, and thy compassions, they fail not and he said it when he was a slave in Babylon why how could he say such things because he was holding on to hope and holding on to faith and while faith can move mountains it will be restored through hope in the valley don't let Satan take your hope do you hear what I'm saying? They wanted his name, but didn't get it. We've got it. They wanted baptism and sins washed away. They didn't get it. We got it. They dreamed of a day when God would fill their souls with his spirit. But that day came and went. But we got it. We are a blessed people in this generation. And if you're not careful, Satan will tell you, You've got everything they didn't get, but only could hope for. What need of you of hope? You've received everything God promised. There's nothing left for us to hope for. You don't have to hope for forgiveness tonight. It waits for you in this altar. You don't have to wait for your sins to be washed away. We got the waters ready. You don't have to hope that the Holy Ghost will come because it's not coming. It's already here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got nothing left to hope for and everything left to gain. But the devil is a liar. We still have something to hope for. Did you hear me back there? We got something left to hope for, brother. Man. Hey, sister, we got something left to hope for. What have I got left to hope for? Some glad morning. We shall see. Jesus in the air. That's the hope. Soon and very soon. 
We are going to see the King. That's the hope. Hallelujah. Oh, there's going to be a meeting in the air. In that sweet, sweet by and by. We've got something left to hope for tonight. And with hope and faith, there's nothing that this church can't accomplish. There's no enemy we can't defeat. And no victory that we cannot have. Let's declare the hope that springs eternal. Revival in this city today, tomorrow, and always. Thank you for listening today. You can reach us at our website, www.tpos.church. To donate, you can use our text-to-give number at 615-490-9442. Until next time, go with God.